in 2015, they asked me to become a temporary youth director at Guam Micronesia Mission. And uh, when they ask you to do something you've never done before and they, never and they don't give you a job description, uh, the first thing that you do is call someone who's been in that position before. So I started calling all the youth directors of conferences around the USA, asking them, in order to be a successful youth director, what must I do? They said, there's three things you need, three things you need. They said, you need the Bible more than ever for yourself and for the youth you're going to be ministering to. They said, number two, you're going to need a lot of food, like a lot of food, they said. Get a frequent flyer miles to Pizza Hut, they said. And number three, they said, is that you need to have fun with the youth. You need to play games. You need to play their games with them. Well, I thought that was good advice, so I decided the next day that uh, there was nothing more that I enjoyed more than playing basketball, and so that's what I would do. I went to my local sports store the next day, and I walked around the store till I found a really nice basketball that I liked. I grabbed it in my hands, I, I threw it up, pretending I was shooting in the store, and I decided that's the one I'm gonna take. I walked over to the cash register, and they rung it up, for $20. And as I was getting my wallet to pay the $20, I realized that there was a glass case next to the cash register with a basketball that was exactly the same basketball I was paying for, except the tag or the price was a little bit different. You see, mine cost $20 and that one cost $50,000. I said to the cash register, why does that ball, it's the same ball, cost so much more than the ball I'm about to buy? And he said to me, he said to me, the hands make all the difference. The hands make all the difference. He said, in your hands, that basketball is worth $20. In the hands of Michael Jordan, that ball is worth $50,000. I looked a little bit closer and I realized that there was one small other difference between my ball and that ball. It was a, a, a signature on that ball with a number next to it, number 23, the number of Michael Jordan. But still I thought to myself and I wanted to push the cashier a little bit, I said, what can Michael Jordan's hands do that my hands can't do. He looked at me up and down and he said, you don't even imagine or dream of what Michael Jordan can do that you can't do with that ball. He said, Michael Jordan can grab that ball and jump 15 feet from the free throw line to a 10-foot hoop and dunk it like he's walking in the air. He said, you can only dream about doing that. Well, I left the store feeling really great about myself that day. But I, I thought to myself, you know what? Michael Jordan did amazing things with the ball that I could only dream of doing. And the cashier was right. The hands make all the difference. I thought, there's a profound truth to that statement. The hands make all the difference. And it's a spiritual truth as well, because if you think about it, 
everything changes depending on in whose hands it is. Isn't that correct? So I wonder today, in whose hands is your marriage? I wonder today, in whose hands is your health? I wonder today, in whose hands are your finances? In whose hands are your children? In whose hands are your job, your career, your future, your studies? In whose hands are your relationships? The question is, are they in your hands? Are they in someone else's hands? Or are they in the hands of, of Jesus? You know, when, if you would have lived in the time of Jesus, and your hands would have touched a leper, what would have happened? You would have gotten leprosy. But when the hands of Jesus touch a leper, that leopard was, was healed. Because it was in his hands. You know, the greatest doctors that lived in the time of Israel could touch the dead with their hands and nothing would happen. But when the hands of Jesus touched Jairus' daughter's hands, a young girl was raised back to life. Friends, what I'm trying to say is that the hands make all the difference and the greatest hands in the world and in the universe are the hands of, of Jesus Christ. No other hand is as mighty as his hands and when you give it all into his hands, you cannot imagine the possibilities in your life. So what happens when you hand everything over to Jesus? What happens when you give it into his hands? There's a story found in all four Gospels. When you find a story in all four Gospels, that means that God really wants to hammer it in your head, right? It must be important. And there's a story there that gives us some lessons on what God can do when you put your marriage, your life, your, your finances, your health, everything into his hands. So turn with me. We find one of the stories of the four in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, just lean over to your neighbor's uh, Bible or their phone. They'll share with you. If they don't, please let me know by raising your hand and uh, we'll ask the deacons to escort them. No, we won't escort them out today. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. We begin the story. Now, to get a little background to this story, it was during the time of the Passover feast, and pilgrims from all over the world had come to Jerusalem. And when they came to Jerusalem, word got around of the ministry and miracles of Jesus. They were all eager to find Jesus. But Jesus had retired to a private place to pray, to rest, and spend time with his disciples. And the reason being is that Jesus had just received news that John the Baptist had died. And also being the Passover season, when the Passover lamb was to be killed, I can only imagine that Jesus must have been thinking of his own soon death and his own soon sacrifice on the cross. And so he retired to a private place to be alone, to pray. But the Bible tells us that the crowd found out where he was and the multitude followed him because they needed him as well. And just like Jesus always does, he places their needs above 
his needs. He ministered to them and their needs and preached from morning until evening without rest. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. It begins by saying, when Jesus heard it, the death of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Verse 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, do not, they do not need to go away, you Give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven. And he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides the women and the, the children. What do I learn from that beautiful story, that miracle? I learned that in the hands of a young boy, and in the hands of the disciples, there was only five loaves and two fishes. But in the hands of Jesus, that same supply of food was enough to feed about 20,000 people. In fact, there was even 12 remaining baskets for the 12 doubting disciples. You see, the disciples lived in a world of limited possibilities, but Jesus lived in a world of unlimited possibilities. They came up with excuses, but Jesus in his hands made it possible. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that stirs up my heart when I think about the difficulties in my own life, the things I've tried to wrestle with my own hand, the things I've tried to multiply with my own hands, the things I've tried to fix with my own hands, and have failed to know that if I put it in the hands of Jesus, like this little boy did by faith, he could take the little and multiply it to an amount that I never thought possible. How is your health? Does it need God's multiplication of healing in it? How are your finances, especially this upcoming season and Thanksgiving and Christmas? Does it need to be put in the hands of God? How is your family relationships? Do you need to take it out of your hands and put it in the hands of Jesus? Because when we do that, the hands of Jesus make all the difference. But how does God do it? How exactly does he do it? How do I put it into his hands? How does he do it? It is by believing that he and his hands can make a difference. I'm so proud of my little daughter, Gianna. You guys know Gianna, right? She's been here since a baby. Now, Gianna knows how to wash the dishes. She's only three years of age. In fact, just a, a couple of weeks ago, there was a big pile of dishes in 
you know, right there, uh, stacked up over maybe two, three days. And Gianna just got a nice step ladder. She brought it right up. She climbed up, got the sponge, and she worked for about an hour, and she washed all those dishes. Three years of age. You know, I've been working on building a, a, a playhouse in the back, and I needed some help. I didn't call none of you men, because, you know, it's a little embarrassing. But um, my my daughter came out to help me, and she got a nail and the hammer, and she started to build. She did a couple of wooden pieces. Isn't that amazing? She's only three years of age. In fact, the other morning, my wife was hungry, and my daughter made breakfast. She, she got up, and she made some eggs, and she made some oatmeal. It was amazing. This three-year-old is here making food, washing dishes, building stuff. And now if you ask my daughter, if you ask her, can you wash the dishes? She will tell you confidently, yes, I could wash dishes. If you ask her, can you hammer nails? She will say, yes, I could build, I could hammer. If you ask her, can you make breakfast? Yes, I can. For her and her mind and her faith, she can do all these things. Now, what she fails to mention, maybe it doesn't even enter into her mind, is that Papa's hands are grabbing her hands when she's grabbing the sponge. And they're moving them to wash those dishes. What she maybe fails to let you know is that when she grabs the hammer, Papa grabs the hammer and her hand to nail that nail down. What she maybe fails to mention is that when she's cooking those eggs and oatmeal, it is Papa that is helping to strengthen her hands because she put her hands into my hands. But she doesn't even notice that I'm there. In her mind, she is doing it, and she believes she is doing it. When you put your life into the hands of Jesus, you will be doing it, and you will believe you're doing it, and you won't even realize, but it's the power and the strength of God guiding and giving you the ability to do it. Isn't that amazing? Put it into God's hands hands. He is able to do what you cannot. He is able to take your limited possibilities and to his unlimited grace and mercy for your life. So the Bible tells us that when Jesus, in verse 16 of Matthew 14, he says, when Jesus came to them, he said to the disciples, give them something to to eat. And many times we want to say to Jesus, no, you take care of this problem. Now you do this. Now giving it into the hands of Jesus doesn't mean, here, Jesus, take care of all my problems for me. I'm just going to step back. When it means to put it in his hands, it means that first it'll go into his hands, but then he'll give it right back into your hands. Because the Bible tells us in verse 16 they, Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And verse 17, the disciples said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. In other words, we can't. We can't. But verse 19, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and then the disciples gave it to the multitude so what they could not do before once God got his hands on it then he they were able to to do it 
What do you feel that is impossible for you to do in your life today? In your relationships, in your school, in your future, in raising children, something impossible. Get, let God get his hands on it, and then he's going to put it back into your hands, and you're going to be able to accomplish that which you thought it was impossible to do. There is something mighty about whose hands your life is in. But listen, friends, in order for your life to be in his hands, there needs to be a closeness and a connection between you and Jesus. Because hands are a very intimate thing, isn't it? To hold someone's hands, to touch someone's hands. But Jesus is not saying that the problem is on his side. He's saying the problem that we're not able to overcome, the challenges in our lives, is not because his hand is not stretched out. It's because your hand is not stretched out. And that's why Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not what? Is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. God is asking us to be in close connection with him. But many times the decisions in our life have separated us from him. And he's calling us to return so that he could get a hold of the challenges in your life and do impossibilities in them. But you need to be connected with him in order for your hands and your life to be in his hands. I went to uh, Rwanda many years ago. It's probably about 10 years ago now. And... Um, I went to do an evangelistic series, my first one ever in my life. And uh, I was assigned a pastor who would translate at my site. And me and that man became so close. I mean, when you're working together for the salvation of souls, and when you see thousands of people showing up to hear the gospel preach, when I first got there, I didn't know this man, but by the end of that meeting, we were like brothers. We were close and we were connected. And we were so close and connected that something strange happened to me on the last few days there. We was, I was hanging out with him. We were rejoicing about what had God done through our sermons. And all of a sudden, we were walking on the road so close and connected when that man grabbed my hand. Man, have you ever had another man grab your hand? So we're walking down the road. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's okay. He grabbed my hand. I could deal with that. But then, like a minute passed, and he was still holding my hand. And then two minutes passed, and he was still holding my hand. Then I started getting a little nervous because I said, hey, we're Adventist pastors. What if someone sees us driving by here? I mean, what are they going to think? Two men walking down holding hands. And so at this point, my hands were in his hands. We were close and we were connected. And I was about to, you know, say something, but all of a sudden I started to look around at the other people walking around. And I saw other men holding hands. And I saw men all over the place holding hands. And I realized that in Rwanda, that men and women who are not married are not allowed to hold hands. But you, if you have a close friend, someone that you're connected with, a buddy, 
You don't give him a high five. You hold his hand. And at that moment, I felt so close that I squeezed that man's hand back and I proudly walked down the street holding his hand. Jesus wants your hand in his hands. He wants your life in his hands. He wants your problems, your doubts, your children, your health, your finances in his hands. And he's stretching his hands out to you. And the only question that remains is will you hold his hands? Because when you hold his hands, amazing things will happen in your life. Now, something interesting happened after this miracle story. The Bible tells us that uh, about 20,000 people approximately were fed. And what happened was that the next chapter, we find another miracle story. But this is very, very confusing. At first, when I read this, I said, something must be wrong here. Maybe it's the same story, but it's a different story. And it's found in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 32. So Jesus has just fed thousands of people. The disciples were literally the ones that were handing out the food that was multiplied. And all of a sudden, in the very next chapter, we find a similar situation. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 32 tells us the story. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to, to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Now, this is not the same story repeated. It's a different story because in the first story, they were with him one day. Here, they've been with him three days. And the people have been so amazed at his words that they've been fed spiritually. They forgot about their food. But now it's been three days and some people are remembering that they're hungry. So Jesus has compassion about, on them. And he tells his disciples, I don't want to send them away lest they be hungry. Now, in the previous pa passage, we learned that Jesus has just fed 5,000. So what do you expect the reaction of the disciples to be? No problem, Lord. I'm going to find a crumb. And you turn that crumb into thousands of loaves, right? Lord, let, let me find whatever. Just, I believe in you. But listen to the response of these disciples. Then his disciples said to him, to the, him where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Why would they say that? Why, why were they doubting about the ability of God to provide food? Had they not read that God had fed the Israelites manna in the desert? Had they not remembered in the previous chapter that Jesus had fed the 5,000? And I think this is a problem that we see in our own lives. That even when we put our lives into the hands of, of Jesus, and we're close and connected with him, and he does amazing things in our life, when some time passes, we forget about the power of God to continue to do amazing things in our lives. And I think that's why Thanksgiving is so important. Because the whole point of Thanksgiving is remembrance. Remembrance of 
what God has done this past year. Because when I remember what God has done for me, it gives me faith to know that God can continue doing for me. The disciples forgot about that. In verse 34, Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few little fish. Can you even hear their condescending voice? We only have a few little fish. Jesus must be rolling his eyes. You're like, will they never learn? So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Do you know what's amazing about this, that word for baskets? It says large baskets. It's different than the baskets in the previous story where they picked up 12 baskets. Where they pick up 12 baskets, the idea is that, you know, they had 12, like, personal baskets, right? Like, they're going on a picnic. Here, the the original word there in the Greek speaking about, like, a large container here. So in the first miracle, the disciples had to take with them their own personal basket. Look what God has done when you put the little that you had into his hands. They didn't learn the lesson the first time. So now Jesus has them not carrying a little basket. Now he has them carrying the, the big baskets, the huge baskets. Maybe the weight on their shoulders. Maybe the, the fact that maybe two had to carry it at the same time. They maybe started talking about, you know what? We should trust God more. We should trust Jesus more even when the way seems tough. And I understand where the disciples were coming from because from the moment that he fed to the 5,000 to this new miracle, they had probably slept on some hard floors, right? They had probably been thirsty walking all over. Maybe there was even some days that they were with Jesus that they skipped the meal because they had nothing to eat. Maybe there were some days that they were so hungry that they had to pick in the fields grain. And so I understand That they went from miracles to maybe some wants. But you have to understand that even though you're going through struggles and challenges, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have the power to do amazing things in your life. If you put it into his his hands. But listen, maybe your need, maybe your problems Maybe your challenges that you can't do anything with are not enough of a motivation for you to say, you know what, I'm going to put it in God's hands. Maybe you're thinking this morning, you know, I'm going to give it a little bit more try with my hands. I'm going to give it a little bit more try with my power. I know what you're saying, Pastor, but I'm going to hold on to it my way, not your way. But maybe if your needs and your challenges are not enough of encouragement to give it to him, maybe let me put it a different way. Maybe you should put it into his hands because he deserves it. Because his hands are worthy to receive your life no matter how challenged or messed up it is. You know that Jesus has the most, will have the most uh, ugly looking hands in heaven? Did you guys know that? Jesus is going to have the most ugly, disgusting looking hands. Everybody else's hands are going to be beautiful. I'm not sure how it's going to be in heaven. Maybe you'll never have to, you know, cut your nails or clean your nails. I don't know. But I do know the hands of Jesus are going to be ugly. They're going to have gaping holes right through the center. 
It reminds me of the story of a, of a young girl who, uh, as she grew older, she began to notice the difference between her mother's hands and the hands of the other mothers. The other mothers had these beautiful, you know, petite hands, and they were always, the nails were always clean and nice, and, and, and they had nice lady hands. And, and as the daughter grew older, she realized that her, her mother had these disgusting, deformed-looking hands, and she always was trying to hide them. And one day, the daughter, you know how kids are, they just say things sometimes. She came to her mother and said, Mother, how come all the other mothers have beautiful hands? All my friends' mothers have these beautiful hands, but you have ugly hands. The mother sat the little girl down and she said, Let me tell you a story. When you were a little baby, I decided to go visit down the street with one of our family friends. I heard the sirens pass by the house. When we stepped out, I realized that it was my house that was on fire, and you would have been asleep on the crib. The firemen tried to stop me, but I rushed past them into the burning house, into your burning room. Already the blankets around you had caught fire. The wood was coming down, and with my own bare hands, I took the blankets that were on fire and, and threw them off through the wood in the process. My hands were badly burned, but I was able to grab you and run out and save you. And that's why your mama's hands are so deformed and ugly. That little girl broke down crying. She grabbed her mama's hands and kissed them with tears. She said, Mama, your hands are the most beautiful hands that any mother has. Jesus' ugly hands will be the most beautiful hands in heaven. And it will be the hands that deserve all of your life in it. And so in this morning, the message is very simple. It matters whose hands your life is in. Your hands, someone else's hands. But if you put it in God's hands, the possibilities are limitless. But above all else, he is worthy to receive your life. And so this morning, I want to ask, is there some challenges? Is there some struggles? Is there some problems that you've been dealing with your own hands and you have found that you can do nothing without Jesus? And this morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask those who this morning want to see, say to Jesus, the worthy hands of Jesus, Take my finances, or take my health, or take my family problems, or take my, my children who have walked away from God or rebelling inside the home, or, or whatever your struggles, your, your dreams that you're trying to do with your own hands, and you felt that your hands have not been sufficient, but this morning you want to tell the worthy hands of Jesus, please take those things. Would you raise your hand as our eyes and heads Eyes are closed and heads are bowed. Would you raise your hand as if you were extending your hands to the hands of Jesus, the worthy hands of Jesus, and say, Jesus, take it all. Take it all. All of me. I implore you. I ask you. I need your hands to take my life. And by faith, I know that the things I'm struggling with, the challenges I have, that you will do limitless things with them 
and you will do miracles like you did that day with the 5,000. Jesus, you see the hands that are raised today. This is why we come to church to be authentic and to be real with you. Not just to hear a nice sermon, not just to come out of here feeling better about ourselves. We come because we need you. And today these hands are extended up by faith saying, I give it to you. All of it, but specifically this one thing. And Lord, I pray that you would answer it according to your goodwill and make miracles in our life. This I ask that you do here and we can't wait till you return so that we could touch your real hands and cry over those holes that you have because of us. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all say, Amen.